You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. I want to start uh, this morning's message with two questions that I have for you. The first question is this, do you treasure God more than you treasure money? Do you treasure God more than you treasure money? So that's the first question for you to consider today. The second question that I have for you is do you trust God more than you are anxious about life? Do you trust God more than you are anxious about life? Now, I think if we're honest with each other, we probably come to these questions like we come to the question when we go to the dentist office and you sit down in the seat at the dentist office and the dentist asks you or the lady that's doing the getting you ready says, have you been brushing and flossing your teeth? The answer is always yes, right? Like it's been six months more than likely. So in that six months, at some point, you have probably brushed your teeth and you've probably flossed your teeth at some point in the six months. So when the dentist asks that question, have you been brushing your teeth? Have you been flossing? The question, of course, the answer is always yes. So these kinds of questions are very much the same way, right? Do you treasure God more than you treasure money? Well, nobody came in today and was like, you know what? I think I treasure money more than I treasure God, right? Nobody walked in here today and thought, I hope the pastor talks about being anxious because I've really been more anxious this week than I've trusted God. No, I think typically like the dentist office, the answer is, well, I I hope. I pray that I've treasured God more than I've treasured money. I, I hope that I've trusted God more than I've been anxious about life. But you know the reality is when you go to the dentist office is that the truth comes out when they take your x-rays, right? And then they clean your teeth and the dentist comes in at the end and starts poking around. That's going to show whether you've been brushing your teeth and flossing your teeth or not. Well, the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is going to do an x-ray on our heart. And it's going to poke around at our heart and it's going to see if we're answering these questions really genuinely from our heart. That we treasure God more than we treasure money and that we trust God more than we are anxious about life. So would you stand with me and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through verse 34. So we're going to finish out chapter 6 of Matthew today. You'll remember chapter 5, as we're working through Jesus' sermon on the mount here, chapter 5 is the heart of righteousness, is a good way to think about it. He's going after the heart. In Matthew chapter 6, he's going after the acts of righteousness. So he's really getting to the priorities. He's Last week, we talked about the practices of righteousness. Today, he's focused on the priorities of this righteousness. So the practices of righteousness, we'll remember, were giving, 
praying, fasting, and, and why do we do those things for an audience of one? Because the Father who sees will reward you. And now we move to Jesus talking about money or wealth or possessions and Jesus talking about worry. So let's look at these together. I'll read out loud. You follow along in your Bible or on the screens. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. We're grateful that your word is active and living and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces our hearts and our souls. And so today as we come to your word and we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount, we come to money and worry. And if we're honest, these things go hand in hand. And so I pray today as we consider these questions of, do we treasure you more than our money? Do we trust you more than we're anxious about life? I pray that your word would x-ray our hearts and where we see areas that are not right, areas that are off. I pray that you would give us the courage to confess and repent of those things and return to you. In those areas where we see that it's good and that we're, we're following your leadership in our life. I pray that our hearts would walk away encouraged, ready to continue to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus begins Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 talking about this idea of laying up treasures 
in heaven rather than treasures on earth. What Jesus is going to do in verses 19 through 24 is he gives us three pairs to consider when it comes to whether we treasure God more than we treasure money. He's going to talk about two treasures of the heart. He's going to talk about two eyes of the heart. And he's going to talk about two masters of the heart. Look at the first two, the first pair that he talks about, this treasure of the heart. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This verse has been forever ruined in my life because I had the opportunity to play basketball at a small Bible college uh, in, in my college days. And at our home basketball games, we had devotions before every game. And when you had devotions, they would bring in a pastor typically to give that devotion. And so what do you think half of the pastors used as a verse to encourage us as we were about to go play basketball? What is the easiest shot in basketball? The layup. Do not lay up. So this verse has been ruined in my mind. I cannot read it without thinking about doing a layup for basketball. And I'm not really sure how they got to because I wasn't, we weren't really focused at that moment on a devotion when you're about to go play a basketball game. But I just know every other speaker that would come in would use this verse of do not lay up for yourselves treasures. So there you go. I've ruined your thinking of the verse now as well. So you will not be able to read that without thinking about basketball. But Jesus says, in essence, it's not a layup, okay? Jesus is saying it's storing up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. This idea of treasures on earth is excessive stuff. This is stuff that is laying around and can be eaten by moths, corroded from rust, and stolen by thieves. Jesus says, don't store up excessive stuff that is eventually going to be destroyed anyways. But instead, he says, lay up or store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Jesus is saying, use all we have for an audience of one, our Father. When he's thinking about storing up treasures in heaven, he's thinking of what he just talked about by giving and praying and fasting. Why? Because the Father sees and will reward you. It takes us back to the Beatitudes. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the treasure in heaven that we are laying up. Treasures on earth is all that money can buy. Treasures in heaven is all that money can't buy. Treasures on earth is all that money can buy. It will rust and fade and be stolen. Treasures in heaven is all that money can't buy. And Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He talks about this also in Luke chapter 12. Verse 13 through verse 21, where Jesus uses this parable to talk about possessions. He says, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Not going to be his. Verse 21 so the one so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus says, don't be the fool that lays up treasures on earth, but does not lay up treasures in heaven because one day your soul will be required of you. Verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus is summing up his thoughts about laying up treasures on earth versus laying up treasures on heaven. Jesus is saying, follow a person's money and you will find their heart, right? The heart is the steering wheel of your life. So if you want to know what a person treasures, look where their money has taken them and there you will find their heart. In essence, what has our heart has us. And Jesus in particular is talking here about finances, about money, about possessions. If it has our heart, that's where our treasure is going to go, right? Wherever our heart goes, our money goes. Wherever our money goes, our heart goes. Jesus says, lay up treasures, not on earth, lay up treasures in heaven. So you see the two treasures of the heart. Then you see the two eyes of the heart. And to be honest, this is a, a difficult verse to translate. And even in reading and in, in the commentaries, they struggle to translate it. So I'll do my best to translate this verse for you. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is saying this, when it comes to money, you can't focus on being generous. That's the healthy and the light and being selfish. That's the evil and the darkness. What this does is it creates double vision, which is really bad, right? If you've ever had double vision, that's not good. So Jesus is talking about the focus of our heart. And the focus of our heart, is it generous? Is it that God's been so good to us? We're generous with our stuff? Or is it evil and selfish? And Jesus says, if the light that is in us is this darkness of being selfish and stingy, then how great is that darkness? So two treasures of the heart, two eyes of the heart, what we're focused on. Then verse 24, we see two masters of the heart. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus draws the line in the sand for his followers and says, you make the choice. It's me or money. But you can't serve both. You can't serve both. You have to choose your master. Say that. And it's either going to be God or it's going to be money. 
Now, is Jesus saying here that money is bad, that wealth is bad, all that? I would argue with you that he's not saying that wealth or money in and of itself is bad. So let me take you to some passages of scripture to show you. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at several passages there or several sections of scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6 to see what I think Jesus is after here when it comes to money and wealth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, and then we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. Verse 6 through 10 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take anything we cannot take anything out of the world we get that again Jesus idea of treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth but if we have food and clothing verse 8 with these we will be content but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction so he's saying it's really at a heart level right those who desire to be rich verse 10 For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. What is Jesus saying? Is he saying money is evil? No, he is saying the love of money. That's a heart issue, right? It's something that I desire. It's something that I love. So, So Paul says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now go to verse 17 through 19. Clint read this earlier in our worship time when he said this, as for the rich in this present age, Jesus is not saying that it's bad to be rich, right? He's saying, as for those of you that are rich in this present age, and by the way, if you're sitting in this room and you drove a car to church today, you're pretty rich, Okay, so let's not look around the room and be like, well, who's the rich ones that he's talking about? I'm looking at you, right? Like all of us who drove cars and will go home to houses that have heat and have food for dinner, we're pretty rich, all right? So we can all throw ourselves in the rich category. As for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty, to not set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. But who are they to set their hope on? God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, what are they doing with their money? Storing up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What Paul and Jesus are saying to us is wealth or money is not the issue. Listen, the issue is worship. Say that. The issue is a love, a desire that has gone wrong. So that's why Jesus says you can't serve God and money because it's ultimately a worship issue. It's not the size of your bank account that he's worried about. It's your heart because you can have a small bank account and still be controlled by your money. And so he's saying it's about your heart. Do you worship God over your money? So I'm using the term treasure because it ties in with treasure in heaven. 
Do we treasure God more than we treasure money? You've heard this story in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, where Jesus encounters this rich young ruler. Remember that story? And he comes and he's like, what, what, you're a good teacher. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Sort of getting at his heart. Then he's like, follow all these commandments. And the rich young ruler says, I've done all those things. And what does Jesus say? Go sell all your possessions and come follow me. And a tragic line, a tragic verse in the Bible says that that young man went away sad. Why? Because he had great possessions. When the line was drawn in the sand, he chose his possessions. He chose what he was going to worship. And it wasn't God, it was his money. So this is what the heart of Jesus is, is for our hearts, is that we would worship God over our money, that he would have our heart when it comes to our money, not our money would have our heart. So I'd encourage you to consider the question, do you treasure God more than you treasure your money? Then Jesus talks about worry. You, you'll see in the text in verse 35 that Jesus says, therefore. Now, we talk about this, you know this. Therefore is always building on what is said before. So Jesus is saying, because you've made the choice to serve and treasure God rather than your money or possessions, now let's talk about worry. Let's choose to trust God rather than worry. In the American Psychological Association 2022 Stress in America survey, 87% of people who responded listed inflation as the source of significant stress. The rise in prices for everything from fuel to food has people from all backgrounds worried. The researchers say, in fact, no other issue has caused this much stress since the survey began in 2007. Isn't it amazing how relevant the Bible is in 2023? That in 2022, they would do a survey and that they would link the relationship we have with money with stress and worry in people's lives. And 87% of the population that they that surveyed said those two things were going hand in hand. And we come to our text today and Jesus is talking about what do we treasure more than God, money. And then he goes to talking about this idea of worry. Look, look at the text. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not the life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is giving us a command here to not be anxious. Um, in, in the context, Jesus is talking obviously about money, about the future. So don't be anxious about your future. Where uh, uh, how, how could I say this? Don't be all tied up in the future cares of the world, right? He's saying, don't worry about that. Don't be anxious about that. Because later in second, first Corinthians, Jesus is going to talk about, it's better to stay single so that you're not 
anxious about this life with a spouse. So Jesus is not saying in that context, Paul's not saying that anxiety is necessarily a bad thing because I do care about caring for my family. I do, I am required to take responsibility for my family. So this anxiety is more geared toward this idea of caring uh, in a way about the future. So he says, don't be anxious about the future. Don't be anxious about your food, the food and the water and the clothing that, that you put on because isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the answer to that question is yes, right? There's so much more to life than that. Then Jesus gives us three reasons why we shouldn't be anxious. Look at verse 26. And it really through verse 26 and verse 32, th that section is Jesus giving us three reasons. Look, he says, at the birds of the air. Now picture with me where Jesus is at. Remember, let's not lose sight of context. Where is Jesus giving this message? On the side of a mountain with a lake behind him. You got to imagine this is a visual illustration that Jesus is using. There would have more than likely been birds flying around. Jesus was the best visual illustration guy there's ever been. And he is saying to them, as we're sitting on this side of the mountain and we see birds flying around you, I want you to look at the birds. And when you look at them, I want you to remember, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you can be, by, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So the first thing that Jesus says, the first reason for us not to worry is the father provides for his creation. So as you look at the birds, they're taken care of. But the thing about a bird is you've never seen a bird at 72nd and North Oak with a sign saying, we'll work for food, right? <laughs> Why? Because the father has always cared and provided for the birds. And Jesus is using this lesser to greater idea that if he's going to care for the birds, don't you think he'll care for you who's made in the image of God? Yes. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that good? I like responses in message. We need, to, we need to do more family worships, Todd, so that we get some talk going on in here. And, you know, I, I like that. Thank you. Tell her. Way to go, girl. Thank you for answering that question. That is the truth, right? Yes. That should be the mind. That's what Jesus is saying. Does the father provide for his creation? Look at the birds. Yes. Will he provide for you? Yes. And can you add a single hour to the span of life? No, you can sit there and worry and worry about tomorrow and whether tomorrow's gonna, you're gonna live tomorrow. You can sit and think and, and worry and worry and be anxious about it and be all tied up in knots about that, but it doesn't change tomorrow. Say that. You can't add a single hour. You have to trust that the Father will provide exactly what you need for each day. So Jesus says, look at the birds. That's the first reason the Father was going to provide for you. Look at the second reason found in verse 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus is saying the father cares for his creation. That's why you shouldn't worry. The father cares. He, he provides as you see the birds. And when you look at the grass of the field, when you look at the flowers, he cares for those. They come up, they, they're taken down and thrown into the fire to use for cooking and they grow again. The father takes care of them. And the father will take care of you. And he points to Solomon as an illustration of, you look at Solomon and see all of his glory. And if you want to know the glory of Solomon, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 13 through 28. And you can read about the glory of Solomon and all that he had. And Jesus says, Solomon in all of his glory was not taken care of as much as the grass and the bird, and the grass and the flowers. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? Don't you think he cares for you? Don't be anxious because the father provides for his creation. Don't be anxious because the father cares for his creation. But if you look at the end of verse 30, you get to the heart of what Jesus is saying. He says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There's the key. The root of anxiety is unbelief. An unbelief that the Father will care and provide for you. So as he's speaking to his audience and he's saying, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the grass. Like I, I provide, I take care. Don't, don't you think I'll do the same for you? Oh, you of little faith. Where, where is your trust in your father that he can care and provide for you? That, that's the heart of what he's after is this root of anxiety is unbelief. Look at then at verses 31 and 32 for the last reason that he gives. Therefore, again repeating, do not be anxious saying what will eat or drink or wear for the Gentiles. When he uses the term Gentiles here, he's talking about those who don't seek after God, right? Those who are not followers of God. He says, for they seek after all these things, that their pursuit in life is food and clothing and water. That's what they live for. He says, that's what they seek after. But listen, and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. The last reason for us not to worry, Jesus says, is that the father knows your needs. He knows what you have need of. We should remember this from last week. That when we pray, the Father knows what we need before we even pray. And so the reason we shouldn't worry is that God is not some distant deity that doesn't know the needs that you have. No, he is a close father who knows exactly what you need. The Father knows and gives good gifts and will provide you exactly what you need. Think of it in this way. Let's say tomorrow your kids, one of your kids goes to school and they're going through the lunch line to eat. 
And as they go through the lunch line, they ask the lunch lady, hey, can I have an extra carton of milk and an extra plate of food? And the lunch lady should ask, why do you want an extra carton of milk and an extra plate of food? Well, I just, I don't know where my meal's gonna come from tonight. So the lunch lady goes along with it and gives them an extra carton of food and a to-go box with some food. And then she lets the principal know that your son or your daughter has said that and they call you up and they say to you, hey, your son or daughter this today, they're going through the lunch line, was asking for an extra carton of milk and an extra plate of food. Like, is everything okay? You got all that you need? And as a parent, you would be shocked because it's like, well, yeah, we have a pantry full of food. We have a, a, a fridge full of food. It, it, that's, I'm so confused at why my son or daughter would do that. So you hang up the phone and you go talk to your son and daughter and you say, hey, like they said at school today that you said that you needed an extra carton of milk and you needed an extra meal because you don't have food. But don't, don't you know as your father that I'm going to provide for you? Like we've got food here for you. You got as much food as you need. Your heart as a father would be hurt because you know that you're going to provide for them and that they would say that. And think about the next day they go to PE class and they take their shoes off. When they take their shoes off for PE class, they see that the, the socks have holes in, in, in them. And so the PE teacher sort of pokes fun a little bit about it. You know, holy socks, that kind of idea. And your son or your daughter says, you know what? This is the only pair of socks I have. In fact, this is the only outfit I have. I don't have any clothes at home. I'm just sort of embarrassed by my holy socks. So that day you get a call from the principal as well. Hey, uh, your son says you don't have much clothes. Again, how would your heart feel as an earthly father that your kids don't trust in the fact that you will provide them with food and clothes? And every day when they go to school, they're talking about a father who won't provide. What must our heavenly father feel when we are anxious? about our food and clothing. When we worry, church, what we're saying to the world around us is our father is insufficient to meet our needs. We're living as practical atheists. If we sit around the water cooler and we also worry about inflation and we talk about money like money is the God of our hearts, then how are we different than the Gentiles? Our father knows what we need. Yeah, should we care about our Money, yes, we should care about it and we should care about inflation, but it should not take supremacy of our heart. Say that. Because our Father knows what we need before we even ask. This is a reason not to worry. Think with, it, with me in this way. What really is your greatest need? Is your greatest need food? 
and water and clothing? Well, in a physical sense, yes, right? We need food and water and clothing. But I would propose to you that's not our greatest need. Our greatest need is a right relationship with God. Because you and I in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 were created in the image of God to be in relationship with God. That, that, this world doesn't work the way that God originally designed the world to work. This world is broken and it's broken because of sin. And so we were designed to be in right relationship with God. But then we chose to disobey God and we chose to disobey God, sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, it broke our relationship with God, which is our now, our greatest need, is we need to be in right relationship with God. And as the created ones, there is nothing that we could do to make things right with God. No matter how religious we were, no matter how many sacrifices we gave, we could never quite get back to where we were in the garden. And so we had this huge need. And how did God provide for that need? He sent Jesus. And Jesus came down. And Jesus lived the life. And we say it this way, but I think it's good. He, he never sinned. That's what we're saying. He lived a life that we couldn't live. Then he died the death that we deserve to die because of our sin. And why did he do that? So that we could be made right with God. And if this is our greatest need, salvation, and God would be gracious enough to provide us with a solution to our greatest need, don't you don't you think he'll take care of all of our other needs? Yes. If he's provided for us a way to be right with God through his son, Jesus, I think he can take care of our food. I think he can take care of our water. I think he can take care of our clothes. Now, I, I want to be honest with you and honest with the text. Have there been believers that have died from hunger? Well, probably so. So what do we do with this verse? When it says, don't be anxious about food or water or clothing. Haven't there been believers that have lost their life that don't have those kinds of necessities? Is God really good then? Is he providing? Well, I think it comes back to trust. We have to trust that God in his sovereignty is working everything together according to his plan. So even the good and even the evil, that God is working all that together for good. Because I know if he's provided for our salvation and if he he can choose then to provide the food and the drink and the clothes. So the three reasons you should not worry. The father provides, the father cares, and the father knows. Then let's get to the last two verses, how not to worry. He gives us two ways to not worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The first thing that God says, that Jesus says on not worrying is to put God first. Put him first in your life and in your actions. And he's gonna take care of the rest, food, drink, and clothing. Here's what Jesus is not saying, be lazy. He's not saying, go 
join a monastery and become a monk. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying, put me first. Because we know the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't get paid, you shouldn't eat. If you don't care for your family, you're worse than a person who doesn't know God, right? Like you, you should work and you should care for your family. What he is saying to us when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he is saying, prioritize your relationship with me. Put me at the center of your life. So as you work, you're treasuring God more than you're treasuring money. As you trust God, you're trusting him more than you're being anxious about life. Put me at the center of your life. Put God at his rightful place on your heart, the throne of your heart. That's where God should sit and everything else will be directed from there. This is the priority. This is how we don't worry is we prioritize God. Then verse 34 He says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus saying, trust God today and let God take care of tomorrow. It does no good for me to worry about tomorrow because I don't control tomorrow, but I know the one who does and I trust him. So focus on today. One of the members in our church posted this on their social media this week, and I thought it tied in well with what Jesus is saying here. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strength. Charles Spurgeon said that. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This verse rings in my mind week after week when I walk into my office and I see a postcard of a young man by the name of John Luke. John Luke was a part of our church family. Uh, His family was a part of our church family for a long time. John Luke died from brain cancer. And I walked with his parents through this. And so me and his dad, John, would talk on the phone on a weekly basis. And I don't remember a conversation that we would have that John, his dad, wouldn't quote this verse to me. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I watched John and Kim Kern live out this truth of this. And they trusted God for today and didn't worry about tomorrow. May that be true of our lives. You see, you have a choice. You can pursue wealth and worry or you can pursue God and trust, but you can't do both. Jesus is calling those who follow him as their king to treasure him and to trust him. We are to prioritize God above everything else. This choice will set us apart from the world around us. In a world where 87% of Americans are stressed out because of inflation, don't you think it will set us apart when we treasure and trust God above everything else? Listen, the more you pursue wealth, the more you pursue worry, it will always come up short because when is enough money enough money? 
When is enough worry enough worry? They are bottomless pits that you can never get to the bottom of. I love this quote from John D. Rockefeller, who was back in the day was worth $400 billion in money, our currency. He said this, being asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? And he responded, just a little bit more. That's money and that's worry. I think he got it. It's always just a little bit more. So how do you combat the danger of wealth? Treasure God. How do you combat the danger of worry? Trust God. Clint quoted it, and I think it is right and why I ask that we sing this song, Be Thou My Vision. The song lyric got it when it said this, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. That's a pretty good line to summarize Matthew chapter 6, isn't it? Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only. This is a good summation of Matthew 6, 33. First in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. May this be true of our lives. Father, we're so grateful for how you can expose our hearts Thank you for the word that x-rays us and opens us to areas that maybe we can't see. And so I'm asking as a church family that you would help us, Lord, to treasure you more than we treasure money. And I pray that those areas of our life where money has sat on the throne of our hearts, that, Lord, we would confess it and remove, repent, remove money and put you back in your rightful place in our hearts. And then for the areas of our life where we've become anxious, particularly in this idea of food and water and clothing, the daily needs, I pray, Lord, that we would not be anxious, that we would not be, as you called the audience, that we would be little faith. But I pray that you would help us, Lord, to trust you more than we're anxious about life. That when the enemy wants us to take our focus off of you, being a good father who provides and cares and knows, help us to put you first and to trust God today. And continue to pray that you would provide our daily bread. Thank you, Lord for being good. Thank you for being faithful. We're honored to be called your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.